It is Monday, December 17th, 2012, just a few short days before the world is supposed to end. Yay. End of the world. Now, I, I know, you know, a lot of people are making jokes about the end of the world, and you know what? I'm going to be the one sitting there on my cloud, laughing at all the people that were like, the world's not going to end. The Mayans were wrong. They didn't account for leap year. And I'm going to be sitting there on my cloud going, I told you guys so. Sitting on your we did, cloud. We did two fucking up. Okay. Okay. You sitting on my throne of thorns, okay? <laughs> me sitting there right next to Ronnie James Dio. And God's going to be saying, you know, the Mormons got it right. Delusions of great. <laughs> So, a lot going on since we uh, were last on the air. Um, there was a, uh, a major news story this past Friday. There was a uh, school shooting in, uh, was it Newtown, Connecticut? Yeah. Or Newton? Newtown? Newton. Newton. Newton, Connecticut. Um, some 24-year-old nut job. Went to an elementary school and started shooting up the place. It's horrible. You know, I, I could sit here all day long and talk about how sad it is. And it is. You know, I really feel for the the families who lost children. I mean, you, how can you, not? you, you think about it and you're like, you know, these kids were probably excited about Christmas coming up. Their parents had already bought them Christmas presents. And now, just a few days before Christmas, they're going to have to bury those children. It's really sad. These kids hadn't had a chance to live their lives, okay? But we're going to get past that. 
you know, I don't want to, you know, it's a week before Christmas Eve right now, you know? So we're not going to talk about that. But, I mean, there are things that I kind of want to rant about as far as this goes. I've been watching the news a lot lately. And here's what I hate about this 24-hour news anymore, okay? Every fucking news channel anymore is 24-hour news. You got CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. Um, there's more of them, isn't there? Um, there's current TV. Well, they're they're not a news network per se. But yeah. They show news programs. But you've got all these networks that are even, you know, five ESPNs on regular cable. Yeah. Okay, and you know you have one that'll be talking about football all day long, and another one talking about baseball all day long. It's December, and. They're talking about baseball all day long on ESPN Baseball Network, you know? Have we become that bored or boring of a nation that, you know, five months before baseball season even begins, we have a network that's talking about baseball 24-7? Well, you know? Fanatics. There, there are fanatics. True. And, and there's a lot of them. Yeah. But, you know, as much as I love football, baseball, I, I really can't stand watching it or listening to it or talking about it all day long. That's why you can turn it off, but it's there if you decide you're in the mood to hear about football or baseball. But back to the original point I was going to try to make with this. You have all these 24-hour news stations, and when I watch the news, I want to hear... Right there, the news. What's going on? I don't want to hear some news reporters say, well, there's been speculation that, or, well, I think that, or it's safe to say that, or, well, apparently it seems to be. I want to hear this is what happened. This is what's going to happen. Okay? Most people probably don't know this. When I started out in radio, I started out on an AM Christian station as an intern. I then got promoted to news person. So I was reporting the news three times a day. That was my job. You know, and I, I, I could have moved up through FM and, you know, if I would have stuck with it, you, you never know, I could have got, really gone somewhere with it. But... I don't think that I could be one of these news people that throws out opinions or throws out speculation. You know, and then they'll toss these things out. They'll report on this. And then the next day they got to say, well, it seems to be that, you know, like we got this wrong, basically. Okay, when this first came out, the mother of the killer was found dead in school. His name was uh, Ryan Lanza, and now they're like, oh, well, it's actually Ryan Lanza's brother, Adam Lanza, and their mother was found dead in their home. They don't know if it was suicide or murder. And then they were like, well, his mother works at the school. Now she has no connection to the school. So they're throwing out all these speculations, and now they're saying, well, there's a possibility that... He was autistic. And now, you know, you've got all these 
criminal psychologists and these criminal profilers that are coming in and they're talking about autism and its connection with these rampage killings, okay? Now, I would have to say that in mass media, probably the best portrayal of somebody with autism would be the film Rain Man. Anybody will tell you that that is dead on accurate. And you know what? I don't see somebody like Rain Man orchestrating something like this and going on a shooting rampage. I really don't. Right now, this kid is more hated than Osama Bin Laden and Timothy McVeigh ever were put together. Okay, people hate this guy. And I think it's because children are involved. You know, anything that has to do with children, emotions are going to be a little bit higher. I get that. But I think what we need to really talk about with this is not how sad it is that these kids are dead. I think that goes without saying. You'd have to be a real insensitive asshole to really think that it's not sad. Okay, we get it. It's sad. Stop posting shit on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all this other crap. You know, that's just going to bring up bad memories for everybody. What we need to get down to now is... Okay, we have on average one of these school shootings a year. Okay, which averages out to about 20 people per school shooting. I think this might have, I don't know, maybe Columbine was probably the most. I think there was 40. But either way, I think it averages out between 15 and 20 per school shooting. Uh, Virginia Tech was, I think, like 18 maybe. I'll have to uh, look that up later. But... I don't think it's about, you know, a lot of people are talking about gun control and, you know, weapons need to be outlawed altogether. And, you know, that's why I hate the, these liberal asses that crawl out of the woodwork every time there's something like this. And they say, well, we need to ban all guns. Okay. What, what is that Cocaine is illegal. Cocaine is illegal. Heroin is illegal. Yet we have people sitting in prisons right now for cocaine and heroin usage. Okay, if somebody is going to go on a shooting rampage, they're going to get those guns somewhere else. Okay, I, I guarantee you that most of the people sitting in prison right now for shooting deaths probably obtained those weapons illegally. I could probably speculate. That 85% of people in prisons all across the country who shot and killed somebody, or even let's just say and just shot somebody, did it with a gun that was illegally purchased. Because if you have a gun, a handgun, or an assault weapon, you have to register that gun like it's like like it's a car. That serial number is on file attached to your name. So if a bullet is fired from that weapon, it's going to get traced back to you. People who own guns know this. People who own guns illegally know this. That's why they get them illegally. And that's why they because it can't be numbers. exactly. So it cannot be traced back to them. Okay, there are, you know, even dignified people who have killed somebody, you know, these crimes of passion that we hear about that have shot and killed somebody that owned guns but will go out on the street and buy one illegally so that it doesn't get traced back to them. You know? 
it's been proven in every single state that has enabled the kids concealed carry law it has been proven that violent crime rates drop you know several times a year you'll hear on the news about somebody killed or shot by somebody who was carrying a concealed weapon and they did it in self-defense just a few months after they first enacted this in Akron or Canton or somewhere over there there was an off-duty officer at a family Christmas party a family member like it was like a brother-in-law or the husband of a cousin or something was getting unruly, went out to his truck, grabbed the gun. The off-duty officer who had his concealed carry permit had to shoot and kill the guy. And, of course, they deemed it to be in self-defense, and he got off with it. You know, there was a – I can't remember where it was. I think it was in Michigan recently where this guy shot and killed this uh, these two teenagers that broke into his home. This was just a few weeks ago. It was somewhere uh, – it was north of here. It was like – somewhere between Toledo and like Detroit or something. Two teenagers, a male and female, broke in this guy's house and he shot and killed them. You know, if anybody breaks into your house, you have the right to shoot them. Castle laws. Exactly. In this country, you have the right to defend yourself. If you outlaw guns, you no longer have that right. You become sitting ducks. You know, anybody, any criminal could break into your house with an illegally purchased gun and kill you. And you can't do anything about it. You know, so what we're doing is we're talking about taking away the guns of the people who have, you know, have done nothing wrong. We're punishing the innocent because of a few psychopaths, you know. And it's like I said earlier, you know, they were trying to label this kid as autistic. But I don't get why we have to keep making up excuses for psychopaths. You know, Charles Manson started killing people because of the Beatles. The Columbine kids, and this pisses me off still to this day, the Columbine kids did it because of Marilyn Manson. They were goth. Well, you know what, I'm going to tell you something about the Columbine kids. People labeled them as goth because they wore trench coats. However, they were wearing camo underneath those trench coats, and when they raided those kids' rooms, they found country music CDs. Are you going to say that Hank Williams Jr. or Tim McGraw told these kids to go out and kill people? No, but they're going to blame Marilyn Manson, whatever. I'm not saying that the music made them do it, you know, but why label somebody, especially before you have the facts? You know, so we always have to find a scapegoat. We can't, we can't just know that people are just bad, you know, and especially right-wing conservatives. They want to believe that everybody is good. But if they're bad, then there has to be something wrong with them. They're evil. They're possessed. Exactly. They been taken over by some kind of liberal brainwashing and they become bad. Exactly. And then now you have the Westboro Baptist Church people that want to protest at the funerals of the kids that were killed. Let me tell you something about that, okay? 
These people are probably some of the biggest nut jobs in this country. These people have some serious issues, okay? There's no prayer in school is another thing that they're blaming this on. Yeah. First off, the shooter, not a student. But then they will tell you that, well, God made this happen because he's not allowed in the schools. You want to know something? <clears throat> you can pray in school if you want. In fact, most public high schools have an extracurricular Bible study group that any student can attend. They're not forced to, but they can attend. My high school had a Bible study group. Usually it's after school for a half hour, hour, whatever, however long they want to stay. Usually it's some kind of thing they call a theology club, and they talk about different kinds of religions, but mostly focus on my, Christians. Yeah, at my school it was Christians, Catholics were welcome, you know, any religion was welcome, well, but, Catholics you know. Christians. Yeah. So, no one is stopping you from saying a morning prayer before that bell rings. And but if you disrupt class to pray, yeah, you know, someone might get offended, you know? A Jewish kid might get offended, a Muslim kid might get offended, and that's why we don't have prayer in school, because there's so many different religions out there, you can't please all of them, you know? But no one's going to stop you if you want to pray on your own time in study hall, before the bell rings, before lunch, you could say grace. Nothing is stopping you from doing that. When that guy busted in and he started shooting, I'm sure that a lot of kids that died probably started praying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did that stop them from dying? No. 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 You can't say that prayer would have stopped this from happening. Exactly. People are going to kill you whether or not you pray or not. God granted us free will, and anybody who's religious will tell you that, except for... These Websboro Baptist Church people. You know, these are the same people that were protesting the funerals of the soldiers, saying, well, these soldiers are dying because this country tolerates gay marriage. Okay. I believe in the same God that you guys do. And I'm going to say this. My God forgives you guys for being retarded. <laughs> If God was going to kill somebody for tolerating gay marriage, don't you think he would be, I don't know, maybe striking these gay bars or bathhouses with lightning or maybe random fires? Possibly. If, I mean... If God hated gay people, why would they still be here? Exactly. Well, you know, and you know what their argument would be? If God hated pedophiles, why are they still here? Well, that's a that's their argument, and it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It it just seems to me like they're 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 protest happy, you know, and. You know, with the whole prayer in school thing, you know, if public schools started mandating prayers, you would have some lawyer-happy liberal suing the pants off of everybody that works for that school. You know, they would get their 15 minutes in front of the news cameras, and it would stop before it started. 
against it. They'd be like, we have to pray. I don't want to pray. Exactly. And Teenagers are rebellious. You know, there are religious schools all over. All over, everywhere. You know, Youngstown is not a very big place, but we even have Muslim schools, Jewish schools, Catholic schools, Christian schools. Youngstown All of Academy, them. Mooney, Ursuline, um, JFK. Exactly. There's so many of them. How many grade schools are there? How many preschools? Oh, it's ridiculous. Almost every big church. My son. Every big parish has a preschool program. My son goes to a Catholic preschool. And he's going to go to that Catholic school until after his first Holy Communion, and then he's going to have the choice to go to public school. So, you have those options. You know, no matter what religion you are, I'm sure your town probably has a school. You know, you want your child to pray in school. Tell them if you go to public school, do it on your time. Don't disrupt class to do it, you know? And even if you, like... Even if you go to Catholic school, you say a morning prayer and an afternoon prayer, and that's it. Well, no. At my Catholic school, we said a morning prayer. That was it, that was right? It. Yeah. We so, said a morning prayer, and then we did the, um, the national anthem, and then we did the announcements, and then we got to our first period class. That's what it was. Exactly. And so those options are there. <laughs> I mean, you could say your morning prayer in school as long as you're not disrupting the class. It's not that we're trying to ban religion from public schools, but we're trying to accommodate all these religions. If There's so many of them, you know? You go to a public school, not everyone is going to have the same religion. Not everyone is going to feel exactly. praying in the same manner. So if you tell them they have exactly. to pray in a certain way, it's not going to work. It, it's like, you know, the... Muslim people pray facing a certain direction, kneeling. They uh, they face towards Mecca. Right, yeah. which is now, east of us. Now, here's... It, it's, it's always complicated when it comes to religion. You know, and... Like I said, there's so many of them. You know, I could sit here f for an hour and name off religions. I mean, we covered the major ones just now. Sure. Muslims, Jews, you know. And it, it's like the whole controversy with, you know, Christmas. Okay, you know, there's people who want happy holidays or, you know, they, they just they want to get rid of it altogether. And you know what's funny about that is... It's not any one non-Christian religion that's doing it. It's actually the atheists that are the ones protesting this. The ones that don't believe in any sort of God at all. And you know what? I can't blame all atheists because not all the atheists get all uppity. No, it's, it's the ones that like the media attention. It's the... Like the Westboro Baptist Church. You know, not all Christians are total whack jobs, but those people... Not all Catholic priests are little kids. Those people are up there with people like Ted Nugent and <laughs> Charlton Heston. You know, I support I support guns. I do. I own guns. I own rifles for hunting. And I own handguns for protection. Other than an incident a few years ago, everybody knows about that. I had a concealed carry permit. It was banned for five years. I wasn't allowed to have it for five years. And I got it back. 
So, you know, there are times where I feel that I need to pack heat, and I will. My mom has a concealed permit, and I'm glad that she does. Because if she hadn't had a gun, I would probably be dead right now. I and had some whack job kick in my door and start shooting on Halloween in the middle of the afternoon one year. I was nine years old, eating macaroni and cheese. Well, here's the funny thing, you know... People bitch about just guns in general. I don't like guns, but, but I support the right to have them. You know, you you should have... If you have guns in your home and young kids in your home, yeah, they should be locked up. Just, you know, to prevent any sort of accidental shooting. I know that at the high school that I went to, there were some young kids. I think they were a little bit younger than me playing Russian roulette with what they thought was an unloaded gun. One kid shot himself in the face. Okay, Al, I think that you should teach your kids, if there's going to be guns in the home, even if they're going to be locked up, teach your kids how to properly and safely operate a firearm starting at a young age. At five, my dad taught me how to shoot a BB gun. A year later, he taught me how to shoot a twenty-two rifle. Every year after that, it went up until I was shooting nine millimeters. By the time I was 13, 14 year old, years old, I knew how to shoot a nine millimeter handgun. I was shooting 45s. I, I've even shot an AK-47 before. I've never shot a gun. Okay. If you teach your kids how to properly handle and how to safely execute the usage of any type of weapon, you can prevent things like this. And one thing I want to throw out about these school shootings, it, it's been an issue, I think, since the Virginia Tech shooting, which, what year was that, 2008, 2009? I think so. I think L London was a baby when this happened. I, I remember I, I was still feeding him a bottle when I saw it on TV. Um, they they started bringing up the idea of allowing teachers to carry concealed weapons, allowing the principals, secretaries, everybody that is, you know, an employee of the schools to carry a concealed weapon, or maybe even requiring it. I support this because you know, like I said, the concealed carry permit works. You know, you're not going to walk into a convenience store wielding a, a firearm not knowing whether or not that clerk has one too he may be a quicker draw than you you know he may be able to shoot you in the face before you can even pull your gun out you know and then he won't go to jail because it was self-defense exactly. you know so i think i i think a lot you know forcing the teachers to carry guns would possibly deter these school shootings by I'd say 50% I'd say it would cut down 50% of these school shootings not that I disagree with you but I think an argument against that would be well then the kids would know that the teachers had them and might try to get them if it's on their waist concealed they have less chance of getting it but if they're properly trained you know 
It might be in the desk in, drawer. In this, well, they, they would need to carry it at their waist. Oh. You know, the, it should not be locked in a desk drawer. But if somebody comes in with a gun, you need to be able to draw that real fast. That might also scare some of the kids. It might make them behave. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Honestly, I think it would cut down on a lot of criminal activity in schools. You know, since Columbine, schools have become like prisons anymore, you know. You gotta be buzzed in. They lock down the classrooms every time class is in session. A lot of them have armed security guards now. Okay. Did you know that I got kicked out of the eighth grade? I did not know that. Do you know why? Why? I called it my violent violin. Um, I thought I had a field trip and I had orchestra that day. So I didn't bring my violin. Turns out the field trip was the following week. So I called my mom to bring my violin so I could go to orchestra class. Well, when my mom brought it in, she went to the secretary. And the secretary's like, oh, what's that? And my mom's like, oh, this is my... Um, kid's gun. I brought it for her. Ha ha ha. Well, no, it, it, it didn't even start like that. It started, that looks like a gun case. The secretary said that. The secretary said to my mom, that looks like a gun case. Ha ha ha. She laughed. My mom continued with the joke and she's like, no, it's just her violin. She forgot it because she thought she had a school trip. She has orchestra. Can you get this to her? And the secretary said, well, you know, you really shouldn't joke about things like that. My mom apologized and left. Well, my mom and I weren't living in Boardman, like we said we were. And the school sent an armed cop to the place where we said we were living, which was my aunt and uncle's house. And they found out that we weren't living there, so they kicked me out. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that was post-Columbine, so... Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was about zero tolerance. Uh, two years after Columbine, yeah. I was in sixth grade when that happened. So yeah, I was in eighth grade when that happened. Yeah, I was. You know, I was a junior in high school when that happened, and it was probably about three weeks after when you know the no tolerance thing happened, and uh, there were some kids that were freshmen at that time that. We're having a party over the weekend when well, one kid's parents were out of town, you know, and they were sitting in class passing around a list of names, and it just said, list, on the top. One of the teachers confiscated it, thought that it was a hit list, and five students got expelled. And yeah, it was only like five weeks before the end of the school year, but those kids had to repeat their freshman year because they got expelled. Oh, I didn't have to repeat it. Great. <laughs> and... That's not really fair to them, being that it wasn't a hit list, but once again, like I said, zero tolerance, so there was really nothing that they could do about it, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's really a shame that it's come down to that, you know, high school is really supposed to be a good experience for people, you know, now, you know, you have kids that are killing themselves, that were bullying, and you know, I've seen I've seen some pretty brutal bullying when I was in school. But you know what? A lot of those kids have gone on to be more successful than the kids that were bullying them. Yeah. 
you know? So it really, it goes to show you that, you know, you're, you're really going about it all wrong by taking your own life because you're getting bullied, okay? It can't possibly be that bad, you know? Like, you, you have that incident, uh, you know, a few months ago. Back in October, that, that girl was all over the internet. She was being bullied. She killed herself. And then you find out she was basically just a slut. You know, this girl flashed some pervert online during a cam chat, and he printed out the picture, started stalking her. Well, she went back and was camming with other guys after this dude started stalking her. And then she goes and sleeps with this guy who had a girlfriend after, you know, he, he said that he loved her and all this other shit. So now the girlfriend's bullying her. And she's like, well, I thought this guy loved me. I thought he was going to leave his girlfriend for me. No. You know, you're... Teenagers, I think, have become dumber. I really do. These, these, you know, this Jersey Shore generation. You know, they're like two brain cells above being mentally, legally retarded. I don't think it's YOLO. I think it's just they don't think of the stupidity. Of their you know, there when, are when I first got the internet, going to be a when I first got the internet, it was 1997. We were told about pedophiles. You know, we were told that once you post something on the internet, you can never get rid of it, even in chat rooms. It's there you know, because anything could happen. It could get, you know, there was screen caps back then. You could take a picture of the computer screen with a camera back then. You know, of chat room stuff. And, you know, you post a naked picture, somebody could be downloading it. You know, I, I said once to somebody, and this was back in 1999, you know, once you put something on the internet, it's there forever. And they're like, well, I could just delete it. No. What if 5,000 people already downloaded it? You know? then it's gone. You can't get it back, you know? That's that's life. You know, the internet has become sort of a double-edged sword. You know, you could use it for good things. It could also be used for evil. You know, the amount of child pornography in this world has dramatically increased because of the internet. You know, pedophilia has become a lot worse than it was 15, 20 years ago because of the internet. I don't think it's worse. I think that it gives them an easier way to access it. I think I think it's more I widespread think, now. I think there are the same amount of pedophiles. It's just been sensationalized in the media. It's become kind of like an epidemic the last few years. And the the internet allows it to be more widespread. You know, it's so much easier to access child pornography. It's so much easier for them to connect with other pedophiles. You know, you've got NAMBLA. They have public fucking meetings where they all get together and talk about banging little boys. And Where's Westboro Baptist Church when you need them? <laughs> Why don't they, they should be infiltrating NAMBLA. NAMBLA meetings. Yes, they should. more out in the open now. I think that if the internet wasn't around, they would just be 
taking pictures with their Polaroid cameras of their neighbors or family members. It's yeah. always existed. It always will. No well, yeah, just, yeah, just 10 years ago, there was uh, in, in uh, Howland here in Ohio near Youngstown, there was uh, a house that, that burned down and all that was left was the foundation. And in the crawl space, they found the charred remains of a gigantic safe full of Polaroids from the 40s, 50s, and 60s of little boys and little girls. So yeah, it has been around for a very, very long time. But like I said, you know, it's just easy as, to as we as Americans become dumber, crimes of stupidity become more prevalent. widespread. <laughs> Not prevalent, but more widespread. You know, you have more of it happening. You know, there's more people in America now than there was 20 years ago, which means there's more pedophiles in this world now. But I also think with the internet, not only is it easier to access, it's easier to get caught. Oh, yeah. I mean, they track IP addresses every day. So, I mean, there's nationwide... The it's easier to get caught. More of them are getting caught. More of them yeah. are going through the system. And that's why we see the rise in pedophiles in the jail system. There's is because more of them are getting caught. There's nationwide rings of child pornography that are broken up every year. You know? So, you know, obviously there's more than there was 20 years ago. You know, they didn't have those types of busts going on then. And, you know, going back to talking about the guns... You know, like I, I said, I, you know, I support the concealed carry thing. You know, just like I, I said that, you know, I, I support the legalization of all drugs. Other countries have done it, and it's, it's gotten the cartels out of their country. And that's really what we need to do. Screw the, the users, the recreational users. I mean, if someone is going to die of an overdose of heroin, they're going to die of an overdose of heroin, regardless of whether it's legal or illegal. Okay, what you want to do is you want to get rid of the violent cartels. Of course, then there's people that say, well, then you're, you're losing jobs for, you know, the, the narcotics officers and the FBI agents and the, no. the ATF people that are, you know, their job is to get rid of these people. There no. But what I'm saying, though, is those people whose job was once to, you know, capture drug dealers and get rid of the cartels can now focus on gun crimes, you know, can focus on sex offenders, you know, just reassign them. You know, FBI agents, may, they may be an expert on one thing. But they're cross-trained in everything. Just give them, you know, up-to-date training and transfer them. Same with police officers, detectives, all of them. They, they're cross-trained. All you need to do is update their training and they're good to go in another department. Focus on something that's going to be more important because something being illegal, all you're doing is increasing the probability that more violent activity is going to take place. Just like with prostitution. Legalize it, and you're going to have less violence in prostitution. 
You know, I even really think that you're going to cut down on a, on the instances of prostitution because I know a lot of people that probably do it because it's illegal. The thrill of getting caught is what excites these men, and that's why they keep going back. Okay, the people that do it because they can't get laid, you know, they're going to keep doing it. But the ones that do it because the, you know, it being illegal thrills them. And the people, they're not going to do it anymore. The you know, the pimps, because... the pimps, the government would be the pimps now. And so you would have less pimps going after guys who didn't pay, mm -hmm. you know, you'd have less hookers being beat up by their pimps. You would have less yep. hookers being killed by crazy pervert guys. Exactly. That's, that's what it's all about right there. You know, in Ohio, you know, back in 2006, they passed a law. Or in 2007, they passed a law that, you know, strip clubs can no longer show nipple if they serve alcohol. And adult bookstores, theaters, peep shows, jack shacks can't stay open past midnight. Between midnight and 6 a.m., they had to be closed. Okay? And now strip clubs can't serve alcohol after 12. They have to close before 4 but they have to stop serving alcohol at 12. Now, I disagree with this. Okay, I don't want these perverts roaming the streets where I live while my child is in bed sleeping. Mm -hmm. And of course, the government will say, well, you know, they're going to be in the jack shacks while, you know, your child is in school, so they can't go and take your kid from school. My kid's in school. He's safe. There's a lot of adults there. They're going to protect him from perverts coming in there, okay? Now, when I'm awake, I could protect my child. You know, while I'm sleeping, someone could break into my house and take my kid out of his, his room in the middle of the night, and I'll be none the wiser. Okay? Keep these places open all night like they used to be. You know, and actually, rapes in the state of Ohio have gone up since then. And they can't figure out why. Duh! They don't have a release. Th these dudes aren't going down to the jack shacks and having circle jerks anymore. They don't have an outlet. Exactly. You know, it's... And what it all boils down to is the liberals and the conservatives can't come to an agreement on this shit. That's the biggest issue. You know, you'll have one group saying one thing and another group saying another and they Not, just can't come to to some sort of compromise. No one wants to hear anyone else's opinion. They don't want to accept that someone who has a different opinion could be right. Mitt Romney. No compromise. <laughs> There's no compromise. You know, that's that's like the, the whole, you know, thing with the Republicans in Congress saying, well, we won't pass anything that Obama puts on our table. Well, you know what? You got to do something while you're in there. You guys got another fucking four years to deal with this guy. Do something or I'm going to vote you guys out. Okay? We got an election coming up here in 2014. We have the congressional midterm election. You know, a lot of seats are up for re-election. And you know what? The last midterm election, I voted every motherfucker out. If there was somebody running, I don't care 
if it was, you know, the local jackass here at City Hall who was up for re-election, I don't care how low the position was. If they were an incumbent and they had someone running against them, I don't care who the person was, what they stood for. I said, you know what? You're an idiot. I'm voting for this guy. <laughs> if everybody did that, I think that we would see a better America because these guys would – Instead of getting into Congress or into City Hall and saying, all right, I'm set. As long as I keep my name in the local papers, people are going to recognize it and they're going to keep voting for me. I'll be here for a while. Instead of that, they'll be saying, oh, shit, I, I got you know two years or I got four years to, to prove myself. Maybe I should do something while I'm here. That's how it should be. These people, it should be like any other job. If they're not doing their damn job, get them the fuck out and get someone in there that's going to do it. Like any other job. If you're not doing your job, you get fired. Right? Right. That's, that's the way that the government should be ran. It should be ran. You know, They work for us. We don't work for them. You know, we sign their paychecks. Our tax dollars are paying their salaries. We have the power to remove these people from office. You know, most Americans will tell you, well, my vote doesn't count. I can't change anything. Bullshit. Every two years, you have the opportunity to change it. And most people won't. We're going to take a bit of a musical break here. We're going to play you some Christmas music. This is Alice Cooper with Santa Claus is Coming to Town. A recent study shows that 54% of Americans believe that the world is going to end this Friday. 54% of Americans believe that the world is going to end this Friday. That is more than half of the people in this country that believe that the world is going to end Friday. People have, over the last year or two, been stocking up on canned goods and reading every manual that they can about the zombie apocalypse. And let me tell you something about the world ending. The world's going to end. There are going to be no survival skills or zombie killing tactics that are going to allow you to survive the end of the world. And you know what's funny? What's funny about this whole zombie apocalypse fever that's starting to catch on in this country is the majority of the people that are like, I'm fucking ready for this zombie apocalypse are the pimply-faced 30-year-olds that still live in their parents' basement, play D&D &D on a regular basis, and who would probably be the first ones taken out by the zombies. See, the people that are going to survive are going to be the physically fit. The MMA fighters will probably be the most victorious. The military men and women are going to be the ones surviving the apocalypse. Not guys like that nerdy kid in Zombieland. Hell, I don't even think guys like you know, Woody Harrelson's character in that movie are going to survive these, you know, these vigilante-type hillbillies like, like he portrayed in that movie. Those are not going to be the people that survive the zombie apocalypse. 
They're going to be the people that are trained to kill with their bare hands. Any thoughts on that? No, I think you're right. I know I probably wouldn't survive. I think I would. You do or don't? I'm sorry. I, I think I would survive the zombie apocalypse. Really? Yeah, I think so. How would you do that? I'm pretty badass. <laughs> but against a zombie? My dad's got a Mac 10 that I have access to. Well, would you be able to get it? What if they just oh, started yeah. breaking in here right now? I got weapons here. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I I think reasonably I could survive zombie apocalypse. You know? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it just all depends on the situation. And maybe I could survive for a little bit, depending on where I was, what I had access to, who I was with. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to travel? There's only so much gas in the gas stations. True, true. I mean, th there's ways to get around it, you know? I mean... Are you going to go out to the country? Where you don't have access to a lot of supplies? Are you going to stay in a city where there's going to be a huge population where the zombies are probably going to be prevalent? And who even says that there are going to be zombies? There's, I mean, there's there's ways to get around all that. You could always. Uh... And is it viral? How is it how is it contracted? Are you going to get it if you're bitten? Are you going to see get it airborne? Is it in something like the water? Is it in the food? See, here's... Is it the medicine you're taking? You can, you can, you know, drive your car until you're close to running out of gas, find a, a car that's been abandoned that has gas in it, take it, you know, and, and drive until you, you find a place where there's, you know, collect supplies along the way, you know, there, there's ways to do it. There really is. But, like I said, the, the I've said this numerous times, the probability of a zombie apocalypse are slim to none. Really. I mean, they have the, the voodoo-type zombies that aren't known for harming people. So, you know, that, th there has been no proof of, you know, walking dead sort of zombies it's it's not anything that has ever been proven so we can pretty much rule out any possibility of a zombie apocalypse so it's uh it's 8 30 so we're gonna go into this week's top five songs and keeping with uh the end of the world sort of theme for the top five Music, we have top five most brutal growls. And for films, which we're going to do later on, we have top films about the, or top five films about the end of the world. So, Crystal, you're going to go first. Am I? Yes. Films or music? Which one's first? Music. Oh. Okay. Um, number five, I have Rammstein. Book. Dish? I, I can't say it. That's, Book dish. That's, I don't know why I have such a problem saying it. 
Okay, anyway, number four, slip knot for a million. Number three, I had tool, opiate. Number two, I had kitty with Charlotte. And number one, I have Metallica, Master of Puppets. All right, Alyssa isn't here, so I'm going to read off her list. And I don't know what, what, what she was thinking when she got the two-in-one. I usually make fun of her when she's here for her list, but I can't do it when she's not here. So, Alyssa, number five, Kill Switch Engage, Fixation on the Darkness. Number four, Avenged Sevenfold, Backcountry. Number three, Drowning Pool, Bodies. Number two, ACDC, Thunderstruck. And at number one, she has Judas Priest with Screaming for Vengeance. All right, what do you have? My list, I have number five, Corn, Freak on a Leash. And you know, with Corn, it's so hard because Jonathan Davis, I could have picked like Twist or Thoughtless. Any Corn song could have done, really, you know? I chose Freak on the Leash because of that growling breakdown in the song, you know. Uh, number four, I have Children of Bottom with their cover of the CCR song, Looking Out My Back Door. It's, there's no real growl. It's more like a pow like power metal meets growl, sort of. It's very interesting. You, you have to hear it to, to understand what I'm talking about. But he just has a very interesting way of singing power metal music with a growl to it. It's... For anybody that hasn't heard Children of Bottom, I definitely recommend that covers album that they did a few years ago. Uh, number three, I had to pick a female song. Just because there's so many good female growlers out there, I picked probably the best. Kitty, Brackish. At number two, Disturbed, Down with the Sickness, because you know it's got that cool opening with the, the growl. David Draymond just does some amazing things with his voice. Mm -hmm. you know, And... And number one, probably one of my favorites when it comes to growling, and he even does this great high-pitched screech, Cradle of Filth, and I picked a newer song called Lilith Immaculate off of their last album, Darkly Darkly Venus Aversa, which I definitely recommend anybody check out that entire album. Great, great music, Cradle of Filth. So that is your top five for music for this week. We'll be back in a little bit to do the top five films about the end of the world. Right now, it's Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. It is time to do the top five films about the end of the world. Alright. Crystal, you get to go first. Oh, uh, again? Yep. Why am I always Because you're the, you're, you're the new guy. Oh, okay. So, I'd like to say number six. I have war games. There's no six. There is a number six with me. Number five, I have Donnie Darko. Number four, I have I Am Legend, even though it made me cry. Number three, I have 12 Monkeys. Number two, I have The Stand. And number one, I have The Book of Eli. All right, and Alyssa is not here, so I'm going to read off her list. At number five, Deep Impact. Number four, The Day After Tomorrow. Number three, 28 Days Later. And number two, 12 Monkeys. And of course, number one, The Day the Earth Stood Still, which I have yet to see. Should have seen it, but I didn't. Uh, my list, a little different. Uh, most of the films that I chose are films that sort of imply 
but don't come out and say it. Uh, some of them are blatantly obvious. So, my list for this week. Number five, Apocalypse Now. Number four, Armageddon. Number three, Donnie Darko. And number two, number two, Total Recall. And at number one, Melancholia, which I'm sure most people have not seen. It's a uh, brilliant film by uh, Lars Van Trier. The, the, the dude does some amazing work. Um, kind of artsy, horror-ish. But it's stuff that really, to me, symbolizes what the horror genre is supposed to be about. Any more, you know, horror films come out and it's zombies and vampires and wolves and witches and warlocks and just so ridiculously fictionalized. Whereas I believe horror films should play off of people's fears. They should be realistic, things that could really happen and... The man really captures it, and probably one of his finest films is the movie Antichrist, which just one of the most exceptional horror films of all time, and I definitely recommend checking out Lars Van Trier because he's just a phenomenal filmmaker. Oh, you got anything to add, Crystal? No, I have nothing to add. Nothing to add. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there's been a lot of news going on lately, and you know, there's talk of the end of the world, and just so many things going on. Can't really uh, incorporate all of it into a uh, three-hour show. No. But we're gonna take another brief musical break. We'll be back in a little bit, but right now here's Stone Sour with their latest hit, Gone Sovereign. Well, it's about time to wrap up the show for this week. Uh, we'll be back this Sunday at 7 o'clock. It's going to be our Christmas special. And yes, we will be doing the top five Christmas songs and top five Christmas films. Which gets overdone and played out year after year, but we're going to do it and hopefully add a bit of a chaotic twist to it. Yeah. I already started on my well, that's good. I haven't. I haven't even really been thinking about it. I don't know what Christmas songs. Because there's so many that got the classics, and you got remakes of the classics that have been done by modern artists, and then you have modern artists coming up with their own shit. So it's a bit repetitious, but we're gonna we're gonna tackle it. I have one song on my song list, and one one movie on my movie list. <laughs> That's how I started. <laughs> and then uh, we'll be back the day before New Year's Eve, too. Um, that's also a Sunday, and uh, we're going to do the year in review. There may be no music on that episode. There may be a little bit. Got a lot of stuff to tackle, so we're going to do it as best we can. Um, each one of us is going to have our top 20 songs of the year and top five films of the year. And then to kick off the new year, we're going to have, on the 6th of January, the 2013 preview with the top five most anticipated albums of the year and the top five most anticipated films of the year. So, interesting stuff to uh, sort of uh, bring Season 3 to a close. Yeah, three more episodes, and this has been probably the longest season we've done so far. Um, had a lot of 
interesting stuff in this season. So it's been kind of kind of hectic. You know, we had the election. You know, the kicking off the the season with two back to back episodes there. Uh, we have called National Metal Day, uh, Thanksgiving, and now, you know, Christmas, and now the year in review. There's a lot going on in this season, so. Um, we're gonna, we're only gonna take two weeks off before we, uh, come back with season four. And, uh, that, that's gonna bring us to the one year anniversary. Wow. Which will be really exciting to, uh. To get into, we're gonna we're, we're gonna bring up probably the, the final episode of season four. We're gonna be bringing in some sound clips from some of our earlier episodes, and you can see how we've kind of grown and and uh, sort of adapted to uh, what we've become recently. It's very exciting to. Uh, I, I'm excited to look back at some of these old episodes. You know, like when I was doing the. Uh, the best of episode for the end of last season. It was kind of interesting to listen back to some of those old episodes. So I, I sifted through hours and hours of uh, of material, but it was a lot of fun to, to listen to that stuff. And you know, like the the first episode, even when it, it was just me and country, we didn't quite know where we were going to go with you know topics and stuff. So. We've kind of learned as we went along, you know, this whole internet radio sort of thing is kind of new to me. At least at the time, it was kind of new to me. And now, you know, I think I've grown as a talk show host, I guess you could say. I mean, when I started out in radio, I was just a news guy on a AM Christian station. And I got bumped up to DJ and then was kind of out of it for, you know, well over a decade. So... But I've done everything else in between as far as being a musician and a promoter and, you know, managing bands, running a record label, uh, music journalism, you know, and I, I saw a lot of great things there as a music journalist. You know, I got to do, a you know, one of the very rare interviews with the Insane Clown Posse. As much as I dislike their music, you know, they don't do interviews all that much. So it was kind of nice to be up there amongst, you know, Howard Stern and Bill O'Reilly with the few people that have gotten to interview them. It was really cool, you know. Uh, almost you gotten. That one? Huh? How did you manage that? One? My photographer hooked us up with Two Life Crew, who was opening up for them. And. <laughs> We went to a different bar with two live crew after the show, and Joe and Joey showed up and hung out, picked up the bar tab, and it was a good old time. You know, they were kind of assholes, but, you know, they were nice at the same time, you know. It was really cool. Like you. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, almost got into a fight with Stephen Piercy from Rat, which is really cool, you know. We're, we we've settled our differences recently. We're we're cool again. You know, got to got to be good friends with Janie Lane. I was there at the you know nightclub fire in Rhode Island with Great White. You know, I even got to sit down and interview a nationally known Ozzy Osbourne impersonator, which was really cool. 
And so I got to do a lot of cool things as, you know, journalist and of course as a promoter, you know, Glam Fest and Nashville, which was really cool. I got to see some of the bands I grew up with and meet them and just a really awesome experience. And I would really like to uh, expand this show, maybe get into FM syndication or maybe even satellite radio and, you know, start getting the ball rolling on getting some national entertainers in here to interview and you know, hang out and stuff, it would be, you know, it would be amazing to, to do such a thing. And, you know, I think we, we've been increasing our audience over the last uh, nine months that we've been doing this. And I really think that things are only going to get better. And, you know, each, each week I, I get more excited about doing the show. And, you know, I would love to do this every single day. I really would. But, you know, Alyssa and, and Country Grammar, we, we have conflicting schedules. You know, they have a lot of stuff going on. I got a lot of stuff going on. You know, I'm DJing, doing photography, working on some solo music. So there, there's a lot going on in my life, and it would be really difficult to do it every day right now with everything that's going on. But hopefully sometime in the future, if we get into some sort of national syndication, it, it would be awesome, you know? I would enjoy it, you know. I, you know, as a musician, you oftentimes get tired of constantly having music in your life. You know, you're not just at your shows; you're at other people's shows, and especially as a journalist, I was doing music at that time as well, playing in a band, and so I would have my shows, you know, like a couple times a month, and then every other night of the week, I'm at a club somewhere reviewing somebody. And the traveling was really hectic. You know, I was dating someone at the, at the time. And, you know, she was uh, she was traveling a lot for her job as well. So it was kind of hard to maintain a relationship there. But once again, like I said, you know, it's totally worth it. But, you know, I do get tired of music every once in a while. And, you know, I like talk radio. I like talk shows on television. And I could see this show really sort of evolving into mainly talk, you know, getting guests in here, you know, maybe adding more co-hosts or, or something, you know, to have more talk on here. Right. You know, so we don't have to play as much music. I think that would be great, you know, because like I said, as a musician, you do get tired of music constantly. You know, there's times where I'll start working on a song and I don't want to hear any other music for like a week after that, you know. I'll spend eight hours on a track and not even get anywhere with it and then like, fuck it, I don't want to hear any more music for a week. Talk radio it is. You know, but like I said, talk radio is always interesting though, you know, because there's, you know, like this pa the past two weeks have been just chock full of uh, media gold. You know, and, you know, as somebody who's in talk radio or who has done news in the past, because not only did I work in the newsroom at a Christian station, I also once worked for a local newspaper around here. Granted, I wasn't in the journalistic end of it. I was in the web end, 
But you know, updating their website every day with the newest articles, I got to read a lot of them, and it, it was nice, you know, breaking news to people. You know, like you're the first one to know. You know, that's why I was kind of excited. You know that this was my first election to call this year, and you know, even though I don't really believe, or I don't think I believe that Romney was the best guy for the job, it would have been nice. And I think I would have been more excited if I had announced a new president on my show. You know, I think that would have been really cool. But at the same time, it was nice. It was a very exciting election, very close all the way up until the end. It was really, it was really cool to be there calling an election, you know. And as a young musician, I never thought that, you know, being really sort of in enemy territory would be the best place for me. Never in a million years would have thought that because as a musician, especially one that plays harder rock throughout the 90s and the 2000s, you know, radio DJs and, you know, the tabloid, you know, these news magazine shows and, and talk radio hosts are, are sort of the enemy and especially music journalists, you know, they're all sort of the enemy. You know, because a lot of people still hang by every word that is said, you know, on radio. If they say LMFAO is way cooler than 6 a.m., then every 15-year-old in America is going to be listening to LMFAO over 6 a.m., you know? Or if some reviewer at Rolling Stone gives the new Shinedown album a bad rating, then most people aren't going to buy it, you know? And... With your Justin Bieber's and Selena Gomez's and uh, what other pop stars? Right? Carly, Rae Carly Rae Jepsen are all over the the news magazine shows like TMZ and you know the E Channel. Then you know people are going to be buying their music at a more rapid pace than somebody like Slash who isn't so much in the public eye like they are. You know. So I never thought I would be treading on enemy territory, but at the same time, I try to be fair to my peers. Right. You know, when I was reviewing a lot of the local bands in this area, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, like some of my friends in, in like Kitchen Knife Conspiracy or Tilt 360, Cyrus, Via Sahara, all great friends of mine would – Come to me before a show and say, hey, man, if we play a shit show tonight, let us know. Don't sugarcoat it. And that's the type of person I am. And in the media anymore, you don't really get that as far as, you know, like news, like CNN, MSNBC sort of news. You get a lot of sugarcoating even when it comes to tragedies like what happened Friday. I don't sugarcoat. I, I'm honest. I'm fair. You know, even if I'm friends with a band that I'm reviewing – I'll say, hey, you know what? This band's normally amazing. They had an off night. You know, here's why I explain it. And, you know, before I gave someone a bad review, I always gave them the heads up first. I always say, hey, you know, you guys are a great band. You're good friends of mine. I enjoy coming over and shooting pool, jamming out sometimes, maybe playing some beer pong. But you guys gave a bad performance. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what it's all about. It's about... You know, not taking things so seriously, not taking it to heart, not being offended when, you know, you're given some sort of criticism. You have to take that. Exactly. 
you can't expect to be a musician and expect to be praised all the time. Exactly, and you, you really, you have to take the bad with the good. You do. It can only make you better if you get a bad review. Exactly, you know, and, <clears throat> you know, most, most bands are, you know, they're, they were cool with it. They are like, you know, yeah, we did have a bad night, you know. And there were even times where I'd say, hey, you guys played a great show. And they're like, no, we didn't. Don't lie to us. And I'm like, I'm not lying to you. You guys sounded great. You know, that's, I'm honest, you know. If you're really a musician, you know when you are off. You know it. Unless you're a cocky son of a bitch, you know. Well, even then, you still know it, but you will refuse to admit it. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're going to end the night with some music. What do you got for us? You know what, I'm going to play uh, a band that was popular when I was in high school. A newer track, just came out a few years ago. Off of their latest album, here's Seven Dust with Forever Dead. Good night. What more is there to say but good night? Folks, I'll be back next week. And good night, folks. And good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are.